Hey, what's up, everybody? Greatest show on dirt coming to you live from the Sweet Bee Studios. I am your host, Quentin. The podcast is back. It's been a long time. It's probably been about six or eight weeks, and we're going we're gonna to get it going right now. I think the plan is to record every Sunday night and then get a podcast uploaded for Monday. So, yeah, you know, I've been making some adjustments. You know, my daughter is now six months old. She's a blast. She's so fun. And, you know, it's a, there's a little bit of adjustment with that. And I think everything's going good. You know, she's getting big. She's huge, actually. I think she might be on steroids. I don't know how much weight she's gained. You know, all she does is drink bottles. And she's got these, like, big shoulders. Like, she's like the Barry Bonds of babies, man. She's amazing. And she's a blast. We've been watching a ton of old baseball, dude. It's so good. She's a big Oakland A's fan, I'm pretty sure. She loves the 70s Oakland A's. She loves their uniforms. She smiles the most when we're watching Oakland A's games. And uh, um, she farts the most, too, when we're watching Oakland A's games, too. She's the sweetest, man. But having a kid is great. I enjoy it. It's, it's awesome, you know. And definitely a part of taking the time off of recording the podcast is just watching this kid just grow and do things. You know, like she's starting to reach for stuff now. As long as I can keep her fingers away from an electric socket, we'll be in really good shape. She's... um. You know, she's not really crawling yet. She doesn't really seem to want to do that. I think part of it could be the size of her head. God bless the child. I was born with a huge head, and I think my daughter has it. I'm sort of hoping that levels out and that she's not on Barry Bond steroids, one or the other, dude. But just spending time with her, man, it's just great. You know, we watch a lot of Yo Gabba Gabba. It's all I watch our children's television shows, which was really good because I was probably watching way too much Ancient Aliens. Like, borderline ready to like you know get sucked up and just give myself to the aliens you know some weird stuff that goes on on ancient aliens so yo gabba gabba is a refreshing you know show to watch and i've been watching actually like a ton of old disney movies that i had never watched like i watched um beauty and the beast cinderella um aladdin oh my gosh aladdin is such a good movie and my wife she's telling me she's like did you not watch any of these Disney movies when you grew up and I'm like no I didn't watch them at all I was like were they even out and she's like yeah they were out like in the 80s and I'm like oh yeah no I didn't watch any of them at all I, and I didn't and she's sort of just like well what did you watch when you were a kid and I was like well I always watched what my parents watched you know I was born in 83 we didn't wear seat belts we littered I mean, I think I smoked my first cigarette when I was five when my mom handed it to me because, listen, I kept asking my mom, so my mom smoked, and I kept asking her to smoke a cigarette, so she's like, okay, I'm going to let you try a cigarette. I swear to God, I'm like five years old, right? My mom just, my mom gives me the cigarette, and I vaguely remember it, but she remembers it just like it was yesterday, right? And so I'm like, mom, can I have, can I try your cigarette? She's like, yeah, so she gives me the cigarette. And she said, I took a hit off the cigarette, puffed it, breathed it out, and gave it right back to her. And when she looks at me and goes, oh, shit, we're going to have a problem with this kid. Yeah. And that's just life in the 80s, though. Like, that's how it was. Like, I remember driving down the road, eating, like, going through the McDonald's drive-thru, eating it on the way home. And then before you get home, you shove the bag of litter out the window. <laughs> and that's just how you lived, man. So when I was a kid... I watched what my parents watched, which was really fun and really traumatizing. I remember watching Poltergeist. 
And there's no way I could have been much more than six or seven years old. And that movie, I shit you not, terrified me until last year. It was so bad. Like, just scared, terrified. Listen, so in my house, right, my parents still live in the house. It's great. There was um, five people in the house, so my mom and my dad. I was the middle child. I had an older brother and younger sister. We only had one bathroom in the house, which was awful, dude. And my room was on completely the opposite side of the house as the bathroom. So I would wake up in the middle of the night and have to pee, and I would have to walk across the house. And I was so scared that I was going to get sucked into the TV because I thought it was real. When I'm When you're six years old... I mean, you still believe in Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy. So when I watch this poltergeist show with a fucking demonic presence in the TV, I'm 99% sure it could suck me in at any given time. So I'm walking to the bathroom and I literally feel like I'm going to die. But I've got to pee and I don't want to pee the bed because my brother's on the top bunk and he's going to make fun of me, man. So I can't go back to sleep. So every night I would just like... I would just walk like as fast as I could, man. I couldn't run because there were a lot of sharp corners and there was linoleum on the floor. And to keep us from running through the house, my mom would spray Lysol on the floor. So when we would run, we would bust our ass. And so you couldn't run through the house either. Like you could barely walk through the house without falling over and, you know, hitting your head on something. And it just like terrified me so it's just fun watching all these Disney movies with my daughter because I've never seen the joys of Aladdin right like a flying carpet wow that's crazy dude it's good stuff though man I love it so <laughs> dude these babies though boy they be pooping man and she's about to start solid food too so I'm pretty sure things are about to get shitty pun intended all right dude listen let's um hit the intro music and let's get to some baseball Okay, listen, we're going to start this week off with an old baseball story. So, obviously, like, during quarantine, you know, my wife and I still aren't getting out a lot because of the little one. And plus, we're working from home, which is great because I'm a huge introvert. If I never have to leave the house again, I probably would be okay. But I would really like baseball to start, which it might start soon. But to get to the point, I've um, been watching a ton of old baseball and reading about baseball players that I really didn't know a lot about, right? So this week's old baseball story comes from Oil Can Boyd. So his name is Dennis Boyd in real life, but always went by Oil Can to the point where the American League Media Guide had his name listed at Boyd slash Oil Can. So I'm sort of just like, bro, I could really change my name to Q-Dog and I could just be like McCree, comma, (laughs) Q-Dog. You know what I mean? Like that would be like my official name. They call me Q-Dog in junior high. You had sort of street cred. But needless to say, listen, so Oil Can Boyd, it was always thought that he got his nickname because he used to drink a lot of beer. He was a beer drinker, right? So in Mississippi, where he's from, they would call beer oil. So listen, so I dug up some info on this, and it turns out 
the nickname oil can definitely has to do with getting hammered, but in a whole different way than I ever even knew what was possible. Listen, so oil can Boyd said he got his nickname this way. He listen. So he said when he was seven years old in Mississippi, he would go up the road to a lady's house named Big Mama who had rock gut whiskey and he would buy the whiskey for his mom, smuggle it back in his shirt and give it to his mom. And so his dad wouldn't see it. So his mom was wanting to drink some rock gut whiskey and didn't want his dad to know. Now, my first thought was, well, what the fuck is rock gut whiskey? I had no idea. Right. So I looked it up to uh, at Urban Dictionary, which is a great website. It'll tell you about all kinds of things. So here's what, listen, so here's what rock gut whiskey is. It's not just cheap, but it's terrible liquor designed mostly to get you wasted and not much else. So it's essentially whiskey, like if Boone's Farm made whiskey, right? Like, did you guys ever drink Boone's Farm when you were in high school? Just get that big ass bottle of, I don't know what it was, like juice or wine or something like that, like two fifty dollars a bottle. I, I couldn't drink that. Now I think I would legit die. There's no way my 36-year-old body can handle it. And then it said the term originated in the Old West when many alcoholic beverages were designed purely to be easily afforded by anyone and their dog and get the drinker absolutely hammered. So that's what it was. <laughs> Rock gut whiskey. What the hell, bro? This, this is going to get you drunk, man. It's basically like one step above gasoline, bro. And but this is where the nickname started. So he said that when he was seven, he started drinking rock gut whiskey. So I guess he would go get it from Big Mama's house and then like keep a little bit of the cup for himself. So he would go inside, like, I guess he had a shed outside his house and him and some buddies would go out there and they would pour the rock gut whiskey in an oil can and drink it. And he got caught one time and then his friends started calling him oil can and that was the name, man. Now listen though, oil can Boyd, Bro, okay, if you were bored, I don't, I'm not sure baseball's going to start in two weeks, but if it does, we're only getting 60 games or whatever, but listen, like, part of, one of the things I've discovered with baseball being gone is I don't necessarily need baseball to currently be happening. It's allowed me to refocus on why I love the game of baseball. And a lot of it is current baseball, right? I want to see who's going to win the World Six Series in this 60-game shit show we're about to have, right? Weird, right? The only way the Yankees can be totally healthy is if they start the season three months late. But Aroldis Chapman still got coronavirus. But nonetheless, dude, um, a lot of players are getting it. But whatever, dude, we'll get to that. So, like... Watching old players has been a blast, man. And if you can catch some oil can Boyd pitching, bro, watch the 86 ALCS and the 86 World Series. Dude, oil can Boyd was sort of like Mark Fidrich on the mound, like super hype. He, except <laughs> apparently oil can Boyd smoked a lot of crack and would smoke crack before a game. He said most of the time when he pitched, he was high to the point where Bill Buckner would come in from first base. If Oil Can was pitching like shit, Bill Buckner would come from first and say, Oil Can, are you high? And if Oil Can would say no, he'd be like, yo, get this guy something. Like They'd be like, we got to get this guy hopped up, man. Sort of just like Doc Ellis with the LSD no hitter. A lot of folks are like, there's no way he pitched a no hitter high off his ass on LSD. 
To which I reply, I've done a lot of things high and drunk. Trust me, it could be done, man. Especially if a person has like ADD, it causes you to focus. And that's what Oil Can said. He said he would always have to pitch hammered because it would allow him to focus. And so I'm thinking in my head, like, so you got to smoke crack in the bathroom to focus? Like, you should maybe try an Adderall, bro. <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe they didn't have Adderall in like 86. I'm pretty fucking sure they did. Uh, <laughs> but the, uh, Oil Can Boyd was huge, though, man. They said Oil Can Boyd was the most interesting blend of top talent and unique personality to come to Boston since Larry Bird. There was hype around this guy, dude. I want to say, like, in 82, he had a phenomenal season. And in 86, he did pretty good. But he had some arm trouble later on and had, like, a blood clot disease. Well, listen, though. Oh, yeah. So he had, like, a blood clot disease or something, and I think those blood clots got in his arm, but he also had some trouble with some cops because, um, crack, you know? But, like, apparently, like, he got roughed up by some cops one night and it messed up his arm, right? And then a few months later, he ran into some more trouble with the cops with some overdue video cassettes. And I, I don't know how, this is the most 80s thing ever, right? Like, I, dude, I loved Blockbuster video. There was nothing better than going to, like, Blockbuster or really before Blockbuster in my town. We had a little mom and pop shop called Family Video, and then we had one called Broadway Video. Broadway Video was a little more expensive, but if, you know, we were feeling it, mom would take us to Broadway Video, right? And then we would go to Dairy Queen. It was a hell of a Friday night, man. Get that Bigfoot pizza, son. Oh, baby. Or if you could con your mom into taking you to actually Pizza Hut and dine in so you could play video games and eat pizza, bro. It was great. And... Oh, what the hell was it? it? So, wait, yeah. So, that's basically how it was. So, the old videotapes that were legit, man, going to Blockbuster, whatever video store you got, man. And so, as being the most 80s thing ever, Oil Cam Boyd gets into some trouble, some legal trouble with the police over overdue cassette video cassettes, right? And I'm like, what the, f what world do the cops come get you for overdue VHS tapes? Must have been a lot. And apparently... It was all porn, <laughs> and the Boston media just ate him up for this. So I guess he must have had 100 porn tapes to the point where they called it the Cannes Film Festival because it was the can and all porn. Like, the Cannes Film Festival was just a can. Yeah, um, that was wild, dude. But Oil Can, Oil Can had some good seasons. He was a Montreal Expo after the Red Sox, man. Um he got into some disagreements. They said he didn't pitch Game 7 of the World Series because he was so drunk. Um, but says, you know, but Wade Boggs can drink 100 beers on a plane flight, which I don't know if I ever believe. But Oil Can was a, <laughs> that's a wild dude, bro. Uh, that's it, man. That's the baseball story of the week. Holy shit. All right, so we should probably get into some current baseball talk. So listen, summer camp has started, so they don't call it spring training. I think the hashtag they're using is summer camp, right? Because they are in, um, they're training for baseball this July 12th, right? So Major League Baseball and the Players Union finally decided on a 60-game season that did not start July 4th, which I'm super pissed about. I think Rob Manfred should be uh, banned from the game of baseball for life. For making sure for for making sure that baseball did not begin on July fourth. Listen, dude. There's the world is weird right now, man. There's, people are out there wearing masks, 
and it's crazy, dude. And, you know, if you, like, cough in public, people will, like, fight you. Like, you just have to, like, it's weird, man. But also, like, people are not wearing masks out there, and they're getting in fights. This is the mask, dude. Like, this year, 2020, will be known as the year of the mask. I think everyone's forgotten about the coronavirus. It's about the fucking mask and if anyone's wearing it or not. But, like... Okay, man, so baseball is finally going to start, and it's supposed to start, I think, July 23rd. They've released the schedule, and it's only going to be 60 games. Now, the fact that Rob Manfred didn't make this season start on July 4th, I think it's an abomination, dude. I think it's the worst thing to happen to baseball since probably the Black Sox scandal, right? Like, you idiot. (laughs) Like, you, it's your job to run Major League Baseball and do it better than anybody. That's why you've been appointed to the job. And I get, listen, there is a lot of, like, negotiations that go on between players in Major League Baseball. And I'm not here assigning blame to one side or the other, but Rob Manfred should have 1 million percent made sure that baseball started on July 4th, man. You've got a sport that is that's not really finding its way right now with a lot of folks, you know. I I love baseball and will always love baseball. You know, when I look at a lot of the labor relations and their arguments over money, there are a lot of folks out there that are really pissed off at the players, and a lot of people that are really pissed off at the owners, and then a lot of people that are just pissed off in general because they have to wear a mask, but there are a lot of people that it's not uncommon to go to a thread on Bleacher Report or Twitter and to see sports fans say, goodbye baseball, I'm never coming back, because you guys are arguing about money in a pandemic, right? To me, I don't care, and I don't mean that, like, I don't care about people in a pandemic or whatever. Like, to me, my love of baseball goes well beyond any single season or any single, like, argument, right? To me, like, baseball is so ingrained in, like, family and friendship and, you know, studying old players like Oil Can Boy, like, I love the game and it makes me feel a certain way, right? I'm not put off by players and owners arguing about money because baseball's more to me than that. Like, I know that these baseball players make millions of dollars to play a game that I would play for minimum wage probably if someone would pay me, but I suck. <laughs> and... So I'm not lost on the fact that, hey, these guys are all rich millionaires anyway. So I can't, in my mind, I'm like, well, I can't be mad at them for negotiating big millions of dollars because they do that every year, you know? It just looks really bad because it's in a pandemic and it's stalling the game, right? And my point in bringing that up is not everybody's me, right? You have your diehard baseball fans who find their joy not just in the present, but find their joy with, you know, the family aspect of it, watching with their parents or, you know, watching old baseball games and sort of living in the past of Major League Baseball. And right now it's like the best thing about Major League Baseball to many folks is the past because the present sort of sucks shit. So, and the reason why like, I feel like I'm more mad at Rob Manfred than anything about making sure that the season didn't start on July 4th is because he's the boss that's running baseball, right? If you've got guys like Blake Snell and whoever getting on their Twitch accounts and griping about money and saying they got to get paid and you don't like it, well, here's the thing. like, The fact that Rob Manfred is sort of running a league where players are just being really mad and voicing their opinions on social media and 
making it more public, that's not necessary. I put more of that blame. Everyone's to blame, I believe, but I put more of that blame on Rob Manfred and the folks that run Major League Baseball because they're like the business runners, right? Like they're the ones that are supposed to be educated enough to do this job, right? I'm not appointed major league commissioner, neither is a guy like Blake Snell or Mike Trout, right? They don't have that expertise, right? Like these guys are athletes and they're young. Listen, if I was a 27-year-old millionaire, I would be an idiot because right now I'm a 36-year-old dollar menuaire from McDonald's and I'm an idiot. So it's sort of just like, that's the reason why I put a lot of the blame on there. And I'm really sort of just like pissed at Manfred because with baseball sort of trying to really find its way and losing fans and viewership and people are coming to the games less. I'm sort of just like, what are you doing, man? Like, it was so obvious that Rob Manfred and the owners were really just focused on their short-term profits. Because if, to me, it seems like if you were anyone that was involved in baseball and cared about baseball, you would be thinking long-term. And that long-term would be like, hey, we have to take care of our fans first because without them, we really don't have a lot. And we may think that the players are being real jerks right now and they might be being greedy, but in the long term, that's probably better because we need these fans, right? And if Major League Baseball had started their season on July 4th and, you know, out of the big three, baseball, basketball, and football, if baseball was the first to come and it's all you could watch for like six weeks, Bro, like, that's amazing. Like, get baseball fans any way you can. And the, one of the best ways to do it would be like, well, they ain't got nothing else to watch, so let's give them some Major League Baseball. And you might get some fans that sort of fall in love with the game again because we're all sort of vulnerable right now. We're in our houses more than ever. And unless you're a weird introvert like me or Ted Kaczynski, right, you want to get out of your house a little bit. And dare I say that someone's stuck in their house – couldn't see, you know, a sports fan, couldn't see a baseball game because it's the only thing to watch on TV and just say, well, damn, I like this. And it makes me think of maybe how it used to be. You know, it's just such, like you dropped the ball on that one, man. I don't like it. I don't like it. But, you know, am I hurt by it personally? I'm not, you know. I want, but I am hurt by it in the sense of like I'm pissed because I want the game to do its best best because baseball's better when baseball's popular with everybody because when you watch a game on TV the crowds are packed the stands are loud and then when baseball was in its prime like in the 80s like in the 70s 80s and 90s 60s 70s I feel like baseball was always in its prime until like it hasn't been in the last 15 years the best athletes were playing baseball you know I mean, you got freaks like Dave Winfield, who was drafted by an NBA team, an ABA team, an NFL team, and an MLB team, and he chose Major League Baseball. Well, hell, it was just last year, Kyler Murray was drafted by a football and a baseball team, and he just went and played football. There were tons of athletes, like from the 60s to the 90s, that were like getting four sports scholarships in college and chose baseball, you know? I mean, you watch movies like Back to the Future and whatever where there's always, listen, this is interesting, man, I've noticed this, but when you watch older movies from like the 80s and the 90s, there are always, a lot of times, their pop culture references will be about baseball. 
seriously? Like, I'm like, that would never happen now. If you made a pop culture reference about a baseball player in a movie and said something about Mike Trout, most of the people would be like, who? Who's that guy? You know what I mean? So some some of your best baseball players, they're not as popular as, you know, famous video game players, you know? And that is a lot on MLB. You know, I've always said on this podcast that Major League Baseball should take a play out of Vince McMahon's playbook of running World Wrestling Federation or World Wrestling Entertainment now. And, well, I always call it WWF because that's when I watched it. I haven't watched wrestling in like 20 years, dude. It's stupid now. But it was good then. Listen, Vince McMahon was always good about marketing single characters and getting you to care about him and doing like, you know, if you watch a WrestleMania, you've got the cool lead up like promo videos. And he really markets this event to the point where you know this shit is fake, but you can't wait to watch it. But Major League Baseball just doesn't. Listen, Major League Baseball doesn't know how to do it. I think Major League Baseball still markets their game from like the nostalgic factor, but that's going away, you know? And plus there are a lot of people that that the nostalgia factor won't resonate with it, right? So one of my favorite writers is Gerald Early, and he was in the Ken Burns baseball documentary. He is a a professor at Washington University in St. Louis, and one of his specialties or one of his focuses is like African-American studies, right? And he talks a little bit about, he wrote an article, it was about 10 years ago, about how um, African-Americans were playing baseball less. And he talked about how that nostalgic way of telling the story of Major League Baseball doesn't really resonate with African-American folks because there are no good old days, you know? If, if like, I think of the good old days, like, in the 70s and 80s and 50s and 60s watching baseball, I'm like, that's cool, man. You know, because my dad told me it was cool. My grandpa told me it was cool. But if you're, like, a minority, it's not really that cool because they wouldn't let you play the game if you were black. You had to go play black baseball, which was, um, you know, intended to be inferior because they had no money, they had worse fields, and they were always just shoved to the side. And Major League Baseball just sort of pounded on them. You know, they didn't have um, the resources that white baseball had. You know, and I and I guess the only reason why I point that out is to show an example that the nostalgia factor doesn't work with everybody. And I believe as times change, the way we communicate changes. I think that nostalgic factor... Like me, so I was born in 83, so I'm 36 years old, and I could be coming up on one, I could be one of the last generations to where that nostalgic marketing probably isn't going to work anymore, because now when kids are growing up, I think the dynamic in the household is different, everything is so much more electronic, face-to-face conversations aren't as there as much, and dare I say the way parents with the way kids bond with parents and maybe parents bond with grandparents and kids with grandparents, that whole dynamic has changed. And to harness that nostalgic factor and market the game, I I think beyond my generation, you just might not get a chance at that anymore. So that's why like, I always point to like the Vince McMahon portion of it where it's like the way he markets like individual players, that's sort of what gets you going, man. You know, like back in the day when pitchers would pitch full games, um, you know, a lot of the thing was like, yo, Daryl Strawberry, or excuse me, Dwight Gooden against Roger Clemens, 86 World Series. Like, we want to watch that matchup, and you can still get that today. Like, opening day right now has us promised Garrett Cole versus Max Scherzer. But 
because your workhorse starting pitchers are dwindling and then individual players aren't marketed as much, you don't really get like that, oh, I'm only buying tickets to this game to watch Reggie Jackson. No, it's sort of like, oh, I'm going to go to a Tampa Rays game to watch Yandy Diaz. Like, huh? Who the hell's that? I don't know. Baseball doesn't market him. Who the hell does? I don't know. I do because I'm a baseball nerd, you know? And so the marketing, I think, would have to change. And that's sort of still what pisses me off about the 4th of July is they had the shot, man. Now, there is, okay, two contentious things, man. Bro, this is going to be wild. Listen, so with the shortened season, if it happens, which I don't know if I'm fully convinced that it will happen because the COVID numbers across the country, they're getting really high and a lot of players are getting it. I don't know what that means, man, you know? And I'm not like, dude, I'm not trying to sway like anyone one way or the other, but all I'm saying is, if a lot of players are getting it, a lot of players might start to opt out. Like David Price, he's opted out. Buster Posey, he's opted out. Ryan Zimmerman, yeah, he's opted out, right? There are guys that are, and as it gets closer, there might still be guys that opt out. Mike Trout, his wife's pregnant. So is Bryce Harper's, and so is Garrett Cole's, right? My wife and I have a six-month-old right now. I'm extra cautious, right? And there are folks out there that say it's not that bad. Then there are folks out there that say, put a mask on it or you'll go to hell. And I'm just sort of like, all I do on a day-to-day basis is I minimize my risk because I have a daughter, right? If it was me and my wife, I'd probably do whatever I wanted. But I got a little kid on the way, and because I'm so uncertain and I like being a hermit, I'm sort of just like, okay, whatever. I'll I'll stay at the house a little more. So when you have baseball players that have families, and if the numbers seem to keep going up, or where a lot of those folks might say like, no, I'm not going to do this, man. And so when you factor that in... And then, um, you know, like state and gov- state and federal rules and regulations that'll come about. I don't know if the season will start or if all 60 games will get played. If I had to put money on it now, I would say the season will probably start. And I don't know if all 60 will get played. And I don't think we'll get a World Series this year. That's just my guess on it, right? It's my opinion. Whatever. Um, but a few interesting things about it are, one... The uh, universal DH. So the National League will have a DH, right? Number two, the validity of a 60-game season, right? Is some team going to win this World Series this year? And we're all going to sit back and go, oh, what the hell ever? Bro, you won 60 games, man. You know, I think the Mariners are just as likely to get to the World Series this year as the Yankees are because over 60 games, anything can happen, right? I think at one point last year, the Mariners were like 20 and 5 or something. That's a hell of a start. So it's like whatever. Um, And then third, and this really grinds people's gears, is I think that in extra innings in this 60-game shortened season, if we go into extra innings, they're going to put a runner on second base. Bro, and if you're a purist, you're losing your mind right now. Okay, my opinion on the runner to second. First of all, no disrespect to the purist. I'm basically a purist, but I'm sort of a weirdo too, so... If here's my thought on if you're going to put a runner on in the 10th inning to speed along the process in a shortened season, the only way I would be okay with it is if you put that guy on first. And here's the reason why, man. If you listen to what I've said in the past, I love small ball and I love fast baseball. I 1 million percent believe that 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 everything's going to come full circle 
and as teams look for advantages to compete, I believe at some point, hopefully within the next 10 years, a team built on speed and hitting will come around and dominate when they can't afford the big sluggers and all this, like build speed, get guys that can bunt and put the bat on the ball, right? So what you would get is if you put a guy on first and the 10th inning comes around, generally what would happen is that manager is going to say, well, hell, let's put my fast guy on first. So you put a speed demon on first, and you get that sort of Dave Roberts, everyone in the stadium knows he's going to steal. Can he steal? And then you get, dude, like you just go to YouTube and watch these 80s and early 90s baseball games, and you get a speed guy on first, right? Like, Eric Davis or Vince Coleman or Otis Nixon, right? You know they're going to go. So then you get the battle of the pitcher stone over to first, stone over to the first. The runner on first, he's taking as big of a lead as he can, right? He's taking a huge lead. So the play to first is always close. And then if there's a pitch, you might see a pitch out. Oh, was the pitch out called right or did we just waste a pitch and now it's 2-1? We don't know. And then you got the catcher throwing rockets down to first because this whole game is built around, is this guy on first going to steal? And that possibility, whether he does or doesn't or safe or not, that possibility speeds up the game. It And it even speeds up the game by adding more time to the game because that paying attention to the runner on first and all those pickoff throws, that takes up time. Which leads me to my flux capacitor moment of saying, you you need to speed up the game, right? So Rob Manford wants to do these things about speeding up the game, but you don't need to speed up the game from a time perspective. You need to speed up the game by what's happening right now. You know what I mean? Football moves fairly slow. First down, second down, third down. You get about 30 seconds of gameplay, and then everyone's got to stop and regroup, right? But in those 30 seconds... Anything could happen, a sack, a fumble, touchdown, or whatever. So the reason why I like putting the guy on first, because you bring the run game back to baseball, right? This guy could run for four yards or 100 yards. So it's like there's a guy on first, and he could steal second. If he steals second, he's in scoring position. Someone might bunt him over. The catcher might throw past the second baseman, and my guy might get the third. And hell, he could steal home because I put a fast guy on base. And that creates fun baseball, you know? Baseball, in a sense, is like football where you get a pitch, you get a swing, and then there's downtime. And right now, the game's a little slow because nobody's on base as much. And if someone's on base, they're not likely going to steal. I mean, it's not uncommon to see a guy on first and a pitcher pitching, and they never throw to first. Hell, they're not even looking at the guy at first. Hell, I mean, I haven't seen a pitch out in like 15 years. I don't know that they actually happen anymore, right? And so if you look at the way football's played, where football's always action-packed, but you have like a 30-second play, and then a break, then a 30-second play, and then a break. So it's not constant action like a hockey game or a basketball game, right? So the gameplay of baseball is very similar to football, a pitch. Like that pitch is called, you get the pitch, the pitcher's on the mound. So you have like a maybe a 15-second window to where like, okay, the guy's starting his windup, and he's going, what's going to happen? But for baseball, it's boring? Well, yeah, because the action's not there. The anticipation of anything could happen is not there. So if you're going to do it, put the damn guy on first. The rule's already in place. No one's listening to me. I ain't got no followers. If you're listening to this, it's probably you and my mom listening, so thanks. And But it's like, whatever. Like I just don't understand. It's so stupid. I put that guy on first. And honestly, as a permanent rule change, 
I would do anything I could to encourage more stolen bases in Major League Baseball, whatever that is, okay? Listen, now, do I want a National League DH or not? That's a tricky situation because, like, back in the day, hitters could hit pretty good. Vita Blue, Blue Moon Odom, Kerry Wood, Madison Bumgarner, Jake Arrieta could hit pretty decent at one point. I mean, who else am I thinking? Rick Sutcliffe hit a home run in a postseason game. There are pitchers that have made some pretty memorable hits, right? And I like it. One of my favorite things about baseball is sort of what I just mentioned is anticipating that anything could happen and being excited about anything could happen. And having a pitcher up there that could hit like a double or a home run, like you lose your mind. The Cubs lost game seven of the 03 NLCS, but Kerry Wood's home run, I'll never forget. I loved it because it was so unexpected. And I think we can all agree on the most beautiful things that happen in sports are those ones that aren't expected, whether it's a 3-0 comeback or whatever it may be. It's uh, Nolan Ryan throwing a no-hitter at the age of 45. Like These are all great things that are happening. I think we love it. Anything you can do to facilitate that, I enjoy. So my first thought on the National League DH is, well, hell no, don't do that. Because now we get more expectation, but I sort of feel like maybe we need to go that route for the betterment overall of the game. And also hitters these days, I mean pitchers these days, don't really care about hitting anymore because everything is so specialized. You know, we're not even anywhere close to getting a two-sport athlete like we had at one time with Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders. You know, kids, I think in junior high are picking a sport and running with it sometimes, right? And so you have more specialization. So pitchers are really worse hitters than they've ever been. So when you factor that in with, you know, what the sport actually needs, I think you have to have a National League DH. I think it could, I mean, it obviously creates more offense. In this day and age, you get a pitcher up there. Nobody really wants to watch it because the pitcher doesn't hit. The pitcher hasn't hit since high school because when he went to college at Vanderbilt, he only pitched, right? So I guess the DA tried, I want to say no, don't do it because I don't like it. And it's not because I'm like a stubborn purist. I like the unpredictability of the game. Anything you can do to create the feeling that anything could happen, let the pitcher hit and let's see what happens. But those things don't happen anymore. Bunts don't mean shit and pitchers can't really hit. So the DH, I guess you got to do the DH. Now the, uh, the validity of a 60-game season... I don't know. I think I know. I think I wouldn't do it. If I were Major League Baseball, I I don't think I would do it. I think the 60 games, the risk versus the reward, I don't like it at all, right? What if a lot of people get sick and it's over a 60-game season? Now, I'm not saying that I would be okay with people getting really sick if it was 162 games. I just think Major League Baseball to this point, when they negotiated – this 60-game season, it was really a bad public fight. So now the bad public fight is finished, and when MLB announced that the season would happen and it would be 60 games, the resounding response on Twitter was, I'll believe it when I see it. It's like people weren't even really excited about it just as much as they were like, I'll believe it when I see it. And so the whole thing sort of just feels rushed and it doesn't feel right. So 
my thought process was still if Major League Baseball had the option of a 60-game season and not, I would do not, and I would find a way to profit on what I had, marketing my players better, hitting the nostalgic factor of old baseball games, which resonates with a lot of people, right? And yeah, you know, with Major League Baseball players, when they were playing video games, they were playing each other at the video game. I think people, I think a lot of people enjoyed that. I think a lot of people where the nostalgia factor didn't resonate, I think they enjoyed watching other dudes play video games, right? I don't, but whatever. It gets a job done. So the 60 game season, I mean, I'm all about baseball and part of me loves the unexpected feeling of anything could happen. So in one hand, I'm like, well, give me the 60 game season because it's never happened before. It could be sort of fun to watch. Do I think the World Series winner is going to be taken seriously? I think it's going to depend on the team, right? I think if, you know, the Yankees won it or who else has a really good team? Maybe like the Oakland Athletics, maybe the Chicago Cubs. Definitely not the Houston Astros because people don't like that team anymore. But if it's a good team that wins a World Series, then it's it's going to be believable. You know, if the season starts and a team that's really not that good wins, like maybe the Cincinnati Reds say they get on a heater, I wonder if people would take that as seriously. The Reds have a really good team this year. But, I mean, in, in 60 games, anything could happen because here's what I think. If you get if you get to the playoffs, anything could happen, right? It's like in what year was it? Like in two thousand six, where the St. Louis Cardinals were an eighty two and eighty wild card team, and they won the World Series. And I think even the Giants won a World Series as a wild card team. So what I'm saying is, when you have a hundred sixty two games in a season, how many times do teams go on hot streaks and then go on not hot streaks, right? So what if you get like a halfway decent team that just happens to go on a hot streak for 60 games in the postseason? It might it might work. So, I mean, that's my initial thought, right? If it's like a Yankees-esque team that wins who's really good on paper and we knew they would probably win, yeah, maybe it counts as something. But then if you're the Yankees and you win a World Series, you're going to get hated on because the people that don't like the Yankees are going to say, oh, it's only 60 games, you losers. Try it for 162. You guys can't stay healthy. So it's a weird season how it'll be treated. I don't really know, man. Do I like it? Yeah, I can't wait for baseball to start. It's going to be weird with fans not in the stands for sure. So I mean, it's just it, it does feel rushed, though, you know, but it's going to be something we've never seen before. And I think really... I think we would I think I would feel different about the season being rushed if the negotiations weren't so contentious because they hate both sides really really hate each other and it does feel like it feels greedy at least probably like on the owners because I feel like they just want to get as much money as they can and I don't know how much the owners really care about the players health who knows um that's all I got it's 42 minutes hey I'm gonna wrap this bad boy up thank you for listening to the podcast we are back um the goal is to do this again next Sunday night to get it ready for Monday. So ideally, I would have a podcast every Monday morning waiting for you. And that's it. Maybe I might do midweek podcast, but I'm not going to bite off more than I can chew right now. Um, check me out on my Instagram page, Greatest Show on Dirt. Twitter is Greatest on Dirt. And Facebook is Greatest on Dirt. I'm on all three of those channels, and I post some pretty funny stuff sometimes. <laughs> Um, and other than that, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I really appreciate you stopping by and listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. 
I know it's not like a traditional podcast where I get on here and interview people and give you a bunch of stats. Because really, I just want to create a place that's sort of nostalgic, but also talks about baseball players that are older, talks about current baseball players, and really just have fun with it. You know, I'm going to have fun with it beyond the numbers. I just want to create a place that's just fun and that's centered around baseball and people can listen to it, maybe get a laugh in the car. Maybe I can embarrass myself, mess up a few words. Hey, who really knows? You've made it this far. Thank you. I hope you had fun. Till next time, this is The Greatest Show on Dirt. I was your host, Quentin, and I'll see you next time. Take care, guys. Have a good one.